right, joining us today, we got Nate Valdez and Eric Riley in the whale coming from, I'm assuming, Greeley, is that correct? Denver, Denver. Denver, Denver, cool. So uh, I always have been starting these out with just kind of getting the wrap on what you guys have been up to since mid-March, since the lockdown started. You guys, uh, from everything I've seen over the years, are, are definitely road dogs. So I'm sure this has affected you guys as much as anybody. But why don't you guys just kind of tell us what, what you guys were gearing up towards for the spring and summer and how it all got taken out from under you and then what you guys have been up to since then. I didn't realize this was such a depressing podcast. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, We were literally coming off of a 10 years tour. Yeah, you're, I toured the band 10 years, yeah. And then we had landed and did a show in LA at the beginning of this year, sold out show with Poison the Well. They had, it was like the 20 year anniversary just came back and we were going into 606 studio, which is Dave Grohl's studio mm. recorded record. We're like, okay, we got all this stuff going. The record label's like, all right, you have tickets. We're going to uh, Australia. Yeah. We're, we were just coming off tour and we were taking a little break to gear up for the tour this summer. And, and we're going to do Australia New Year's Eve. Right. We, <laughs> we had a support tour with a pretty big, mid-level band uh, lined up and then we're talking about doing another support tour with 10 years again right in the summer so well and then we had two big festivals we were going to play in the summer as well so we're going to just release that record right in the middle of all that and just kind of like bomb bombshell yeah. it out see what happens and see if we can get a tour going for the, the fall the and then yeah do the cap it off with a new year's eve in australia with the folks from our label and that didn't happen yeah. none of this is happening <laughs> so the new year's the new year's was going to be this coming new year's or last year's new year's this year's new year's okay oh man oh, yeah so, so you guys got rocked pretty good it's a u.s passport's basically a paperweight at this point yeah, yeah. we we blew i mean financially it's it it's a lot of money that we had like potential on the on the books and things that were like it would have made our year pretty pretty cushy yeah, it would have been great. Yeah. It would, would have been, been probably the best year of our career. Sure. Oh, man. I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm so sorry to hear that. I know you guys will bounce back from it, but yeah, I, I had a feeling. I, I think I saw some, must have been posts from you guys in the Dave Girl studio, but you did wrap out that recording, right? You finished that up? Yeah, it's done. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then did you put it out yet or are you holding off on it? We just released one single so far, and then the next one is going to be coming out actually pretty soon. I don't even know if we have in a date yet. In about a month. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So in November sometime. Where in Australia were you guys going to play? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I think it's just the One. East Coast. Yeah. It was like five or so shows is what they were thinking about. It wasn't going to be long, but our label's from there. It's just going to be showcase shows, which is cool. And at New yeah. Year's with a place that loves to drink. So, of course, it's going to a home run. Have you guys been out there before? No. Mm -mm. It was going to uh, be the first time. There's so many things that just got fucked. <laughs> yeah, derailed. Just on. Yeah. Well, I don't mean to smile, but you guys are smiling. So I guess it's just reflecting <laughs> out of you. <laughs> I mean, we're pretty good spirits right now. I think the thing that's really difficult is, like you said earlier, is being a road dogs and doing this for so long. Yeah. I still feel like in my heart and in my being that there's some place I need to be. Like, I feel like somewhat uneasy. Yeah, I think just 
we worked so fucking hard mm. to get these opportunities. Like these, these things weren't just dropped in our lap. Right. Very fucking hard cultivating relationships and yeah, you know, Sacrificed playing, a lot. playing our fucking asses off in the studio and like just all this stuff can't coming together, you know, to, to have an opportunity that we worked so hard for just be kind of just poof for really no reason whatsoever. Just be taken away. It's kind of like, well, it's something we can't even control. It's something that's bigger than, I mean, it's bigger than a lot of yeah. things, but it's not like someone fucked us over or someone, you know, right. we, we, we did this or that to, to lose it. It's just like, nope. It just, God nope. said, no, nope. screw you. Right. Have you guys been able to find any silver lining with all that? Cause I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of bummer for sure. I mean, but house, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Like there's more time I think I've personally had to like get healthier and like so more more sober-minded, clearer on a lot of things, maybe even be more creative in some ways because we're not going, 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 going. But I mean, the that's probably the main positive for me. Everything else sucks. Work sucks. I don't want to do work. I've lived my whole life sacrificing everything so i didn't have to and i would play music instead and now now i'm just like everyone else it's like weird <laughs> so are you so you guys doing day jobs then for the time being yeah 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 i'm uh i've done some sporadic stuff and, and now i'm getting ready to very soon be locked into the, the full-blown thing here but um so we can kind of roundabout, kind of get back to that, but let's go back a little bit and uh, kind of, I'm always interested in the, the root structure of musicians that I know because I've heavily connected to my own and I'd like to hear about other people. So I guess we can do this one at a time or maybe you guys met really early on and it's a very similar, uh, you know, growth story, but why don't you guys kind of tell me where you guys come from respectively in terms of early years and what your early, you know, music influences were and where you started playing music as well. Uh, I grew up in South Texas um, <clears throat> in a town that was 85% Mexican population. And then uh, I believe 12% white and then 3% other. So I got to be in that other category. <laughs> uh, uh, grew up sort of just loving heavy metal and really uh really uh got into right around the the new metal thing started happening it was right when i was like 13 or so so i really sort of dove into that quite a bit like corn limp biscuit right. death tones etc and uh yeah i was playing in the school band that kind of thing in high school and then started playing in bands playing in church that kind of thing and then was it was it always drums for you? Eric? Yeah, it was always drums. Yeah. yeah, singing though too as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I did screaming I, and I sang in a band in high school, uh, and uh, that kind of thing. Then uh, we moved to Colorado right before my senior year of high school. Uh, just kept doing the band thing, and then went to UNC up in Northern Colorado, University of Northern Colorado, not North Carolina. <laughs> and uh, that's where I met Nate. Was uh, playing in bands up there in Greeley. That's a pretty small scene, so we played together a bunch. Yeah, we cross-pollinated quite a bit. It was kind of like, there was like only really six or seven bands, maybe, that were from the area. Yeah. 
so you were like going to college it was kind of like that college bandy thing and, and then, then like three bars that and, would allow music right so whenever there was a show going on everyone went to that show yeah. it's like you i saw eric every single day like of the week um i grew up in los angeles colorado in a small farm town i think it has three when I was going to high school, it was 3,000 people as a population, and I graduated with 23 kids. All of the kids were really into country and, like, Skinner and, like, bands that are, like, classic rock-ish, and I was not really feeling that. Uh, there was a few uh, friends that I had that were kind of into the punk rock and roll and stuff of that nature, like Dead Kennedys or the Minutemen or like Fugazi. And so they would like, I just kind of vicariously heard things through them. Early on, I was spellbound by the Smashing Pumpkins. Like there was stuff about them that I'm like, there's no better band, <laughs> whatever, you know. In many ways, and it's that, true. In many ways, yeah, but in also, ways, it's not true. I, you know, meeting Billy Corgan, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> whatever, that, whatever. Uh, so went to college, got out of my small town as fast as I could, and uh, just kind of started emulating the things and the music that I was into, which was kind of the post-hardcore or the Grunge. grunge grunge was really big for me like mud honey i don't know if you can see my have a mud honey poster in the background here mm -hmm. local h on here uh, let's see whatever but that's kind of the things that i was into and like eric said we were just like always yeah, just always always seeing each other yeah we were both in different bands and uh yeah we sort of learned that we were both like the hardest working members of our respective bands, you know? Right. And they were both sort of like really kind of, really fucking serious kind of bands. You know, you know when you watch a band and you're like- You're trying too hard. Yeah, you're like, I know you rehearse these moves and I know all this stuff is completely fucking fabricated, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. we had like, we had our own lights and like all the stuff, you yeah, know? moves. I was in his yeah, band yeah. for this long. For a couple months. Cause yeah. they, they lost a bass player and I'm like, I can play bass, yeah. I, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like so not fun. And everyone kind of, like, we didn't have a lot of fans because everyone kind of knew it. Like, this is some fake shit. Right. <laughs> Same with Wrong my veins. It's so disingenuous. And uh, yeah. Same with mine. Like, I, we were like, we had big lights and everything and like yeah. the same thing. But it was like, man, you know, no one. Musicians are kind of like this weird breed of human being where they're trying so hard. And they're willing to do whatever they need to to survive. And they also have this weird ability to like tell you to your face, like as a helpful way. That's bad. What are you doing? <laughs> and I kind of, I have not, I've made it a very clear point to try and like, if someone like, hey, what do you think? I'm like, I'm going to be honest. Are you sure you want to hear that? I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, You're trying too hard. Really, spandex is not for you. <laughs> you know, like, let's, let's, let's work through what the pros and the cons are. And not that we know either, but I mean, right. we're very receptive. Like someone comes up to us someone we respect and they're like nate that guitar riff blows boat people yeah. i'm like you're right that is okay. really bad i'm gonna go and crush that up or change that you have to be open yeah. 
Yeah, so, yeah, but when you're when you're young, when you're in those college years, you come out no, swinging. You well, you also you come out swinging because you you you're so excited about. It. I remember the first like main major band I had in college. I was you know, we were playing just like real dirty blues, rock and roll stuff, and I, it was all about sex. Then you know, in terms of what I was thinking about and what what you know all the bands all those you know blues rock bands like zeppelin it's all so we put out some profane posters i mean they were just there were people it was like just it was bad but it got us a lot of people to the show i mean it worked but we also got a lot of complaints from city officials but uh so nate i've been to i actually played a gig it's funny that halloween's coming up because we played a halloween gig in los alamos two years ago they have like one central because there's university there, right? Oh, you're talking about uh, Los Animas, not Los, Los Alamos. So Los Animas is no, a no one town. Like there's no reason for you ever to be there. There's no venue. Oh, that's uh, that's where you're from. Yeah, Los oh. Alamos. Next word, A N I M A S. It means city of the lost or, or lost souls. <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah. The, City of the Lost. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's literally the first legal hanging in Colorado was in my city. It was the saddest fucking thing. It was the most racist wow. thing that had ever happened. It's terrible. Anyway, oh my goodness. That's all. All right. Thing. So let's take let's take it yeah. from there on this. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Yeah. Now I, now I know the difference. Um, yeah. All right. Okay. Sorry. So no, no, it's cool because I when you I thought you did say Los Alamos, so it's good that I know not to go where you're talking to your hometown based on what you're talking. About. Uh, so, what ages were you guys when you started your instruments? And then we'll move forward. I was just curious when you started playing guitar, Nate, and drums, Eric. Fourteen is when I started playing guitar. I started playing percussion in the school band at sixth grade. It's like eleven or so, and then real early. Set at thirteen. Cool. So you guys had a good kind of thing going in college. I, th I could see the benefits of, <clears throat> of being a kind of small scene. Um, you know, big scenes are always have their pros too. But like, if you're in a small scene, like you said, everyone's coming out. You get to network in a much more kind of condensed, easy area. So I'm sure there are some pros to that at least. Yeah. Like that, that, it gets clickish. Like, oh, yeah, uh, sure. This or so and so kissed his girlfriend. It's like it kind of gets that. Uh, kind of thing. Mm, okay. But I mean, that's the whole reason we moved to Denver in the first place is like, well, all right, we think that this is something kind of cool. Let's maybe put it in a bigger pond and see what happens there. And Denver is perfect because it's not too big. It's not like a LA or right. Nashville or something, but it's big enough that it's like, it matters a little bit, you know? Right. And I For think sure. I've seen has changed a lot. Like when we were there, it was like a big camaraderie, kind of a kind of a smaller scene, but a bigger uh space i don't know what it is now actually i haven't been to we, shows well, locally yeah we've we've for the past few years been on tour so much that it's really hard to just keep up with what's going on in denver and we come home and, and like there's a list of bands like i've never heard of. Any yeah of we, these, these are the these are the bands and the last thing i want to do is go to a show when i'm home after coming off tour too, so. yeah i know how you feel there but i think scenes in general i think they've almost evaporated completely from what I've seen, I mean, I'm in Austin, so obviously it's known for having a great quote music scene, but it's definitely it's a different vibe completely. And if you think about, okay, where are the music scenes? Well, I can't think of any really. I think it's kind of a lost thing. Maybe it'll come back hopefully at some point, but everything's so virtual now and, and online that it's just like one big, you're either going to your show or your band or then you're just online on Instagram or Facebook following the bands you like or whatever, you know? 
but so you moved to Denver. Did you guys start in the whale at the tail end of college or did that not come till when you guys moved to Denver or what? In the middle of college for me, we like the band was alive for the last few three years before we were out. I, I had dropped out of college at that time. I was just kind of bumming around Greeley playing in my, the band I was in. I think I was 26 or so when we, and I'm two years younger than you. Right. So I yeah. was 24. So yeah, we just, um, we kind of started in the well as sort of like a side project. It was mm-hmm. almost like a fuck you to our other bands. Like, <laughs> like us two can sure. do as much of what, these other bands even though we were like the mean guys at our other bands so it was like yeah. fuck you to ourselves yeah but it was like <laughs> it was like we were just fucking around trying to remember why we like music because our other bands were so stressful and just playing all sorts of weird stuff just to just to have fun like it was like okay this is a band to do it just we don't want to make it or like have any fans or anything we just want to fucking play the two bars in town and yeah just be loud and obnoxious and a little obscene yeah and that was we accomplished that goal. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because the two the two man lineup is definitely the fuck you lineup. It's there's no question about it because it's like I was just talking to a guy who he's kind of a a, a good sized name here in Austin and, and elsewhere, but he um, he kind of came in as kind of a his own version of country. Lots of different influences, but soon after a few years of like feeling he wasn't getting heard, you know, he had lots of rock and roll roots too. He started a two man fuck you band that it developed into a good, you know, a, a well uh, followed and, and successful two man rock and roll band. That was real, just like scene, you know, smashing guitars and stuff like that. The one time I've done a two man thing, it was kind of a fuck you to like my, not to my bass player who had to drop out for the tour. It wasn't a fuck you to him, but after he dropped that, I was like, well, I could have pretty easily found a stand in somebody, but I was like, I'd never done a two man show. And I was just like, fuck it. Let's, let's just do this. It's a very, let's go, man. That's no, no bullshit. No fact. Be just the two of you. And like, if he messes up, everyone knows. So it pushes you. Or if I mess up for that matter, like singing or playing guitar, it's like, that sucked. You know, (laughs) it's like, it pushes you as an, as an artist, I think to, to hone your craft a little better or to let those mishaps have more of a life in the show. So like if I break a string or something, Eric keeps the drums going and I change out a guitar over the other guitar and it's like, it becomes a thing, you know? It's like, you can do that stuff. <clears throat> yeah, we, it's funny. Cause everyone always asks us like, why are you, why the two piece? Why did you choose to be a two piece? And it's, it was never even a thought. It was just, let's just fuck around, right? This isn't a real thing. And then our main bands broke up and it was like, well, we kind of like doing this two-man thing because it's just different. Yeah. Like, it's just different. It looks weird on stage. It catches people off guard. We like the dynamic we have on stage with just two guys. So how can we just make it sound big, make it fill out the sound and keep it with just two guys, you know, because instead of making it just like everything else, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's also something to be said as I've saw you guys and I've seen – Maybe maybe not that many, maybe anywhere from five to eight two piece bands that are going for the big sounds, you know, and I played that role for one tour. But um, you guys and when I saw you guys live, it definitely spoke to this. And it's something about like it, it brings the audience in a little quicker. I think, you know, it's like if you're a one man thing 
that's a one man thing or one girl thing, whatever. It's like, everyone knows what that is. Unless maybe you're doing the one man band thing, which is just like, Hey, look at this guy or right. girl. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, this, these guys putting on a show. If they're good at it, it's, it's pretty entertaining, but it's got its limitations in terms of energy. You know what I mean? Cause they, you're so invested in working on this and then looping this. It's like, right. um, but the two man thing, it's like the audience is like, okay, what, what are these guys going to do? You know, we're here for these guys, you know, they, it's almost a vulnerable. And if you're going for the big sound and you're pulling it off, like you guys do so well, um, I don't know. I, I guess there's, there's different ways to perceive it. And you guys would have a lot more. What's that? It's very polarizing though. We've had people come up to me like, I hate two man bands specifically because of, and they list like the black keys or bands that are maybe going for more of a lo-fi sound. And uh, like, okay. we saw you two guys come out. We thought you guys were the guitar tech and the drum tech. And then you sat down and started fucking playing and it like pissed me off because I didn't want that. You know, so I'm like, why are you talking to us? <laughs> and, and they're like, they're like, well, I actually like it now. Wow. But it's, it's weird yeah. how people have a mindset of what they think a two-person or a one-man, one-woman band is. It's like, oh, they're gonna be a singer-songwriter, and then they come out and they play like Pussifer stuff, and you're just like, Jesus, so what the hell was that? And so it's weird, you know. Even yeah, a yeah. band, like, why is two-man band a genre, and not like three-man band? Like, oh, you're a two-man yeah. band, therefore yeah, we'll, you play this. Yeah, we'll be on tour, and uh, and the venue will book a, the openers for us, and they'll all be two pieces. And it's like oh. it's not a it's, genre. It's not a genre. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, you guys probably have to deal with all kinds of stuff other people don't know about. But yeah, I mean, three piece, you're right, it's not a genre, but it is it is its own thing because it's you hear the word three piece and it's like, it, it's different. Than, if, once you hit four and over, it's just, you're just a band. But there is also, there there is something to a three piece as well. And obviously a two piece is even broken down. So I guess I have a, I keep getting these good questions. Because, so real quick technical question, just because I'm interested in it. Um, what do you guys do? Because I didn't notice it when you guys, because I was getting ready to play, blah, blah, blah. What do you guys do to fill out the bottom and uh, bottom mids in your show? Do you guys or do you use some sort of board? I don't remember seeing any board. I think you're raw acoustic drums. And then, Nate, were you, do you hit any pedals that kind of fill in the bottom end a little bit? So I tune weird, and uh, I split my signal from the guitar, and I have bass pedals and mm -hmm. guitar I don't know if you remember, I was dancing a lot around a lot, trying to hit pedals on and off and doing that kind of low end. And then I run two amplifiers. One is all the bright top treble guitar tone. And one is just low bass tone. The idea is not a new idea, but it comes from like, you know how bagpipes work where you have the high resonator and then the low is just a brrrr. It's not even a note. It's your brain fills it in that they're playing together and that they're melodically the same. Same thing with the bass amp. It's not like, like when we come to venues, like big venues, the people have like, this is 3000 cap. And like, what is this bass? It's just like a fart noise. I'm like, trust me, just mix it low and it will match with the guitar and your brain's going to fill it in. Yeah, it sounds like, it kind of sounds like it's playing through a sub almost. Right. It's just a low, low, non-nodal like you have a little attack in it but not really it i remember we were playing at the fillmore opening for the descendants and they're like play the bass thing i guess and i'm like yeah, playing the guy, like the guy goes the guy's like it's so muddy we're like just trust us like it's like 
we don't want the note to be defined. It used to be super just like muffled almost. And he's like, right. okay, whatever. And then he's like, we check the guitar and he's like, play them together. And, he, and the sound guy just like a light bulb. He's like, yeah, he, oh. he like stops. He's like, that, I, that, I get it. He's it like, works I perfectly. It's yeah. awesome. I don't know how no one's done this. Yeah. I'm like, but the sound, have. the sound engineer's temptation is to just like put the treble up, you know, make sure you can hear the attack on the bass. And we're like, don't do that. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a, just low it's, mud. It's a never ending struggle between us and a sound engineer. Just be like, just fucking do what I say. <laughs> well, everyone, everyone knows what sound people are like. They're either super nice and super good, or they're the person you're just described. <laughs> We've all dealt with that person. Well, you well, know, Nate, that's pretty. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, you know, I, I actually am fine with if a, if a sound guy's just just trying to understand the sound. He's like, I don't get it. Right. You know. Most of the time, it's just like, whatever, fucking the soundboard's on. Right. I'll the, be at the bar. The microphone's not even at the cabinet. It's on the floor. It's just like, yeah, it sounds good. I'm like, it's not, <laughs> it's, you're not miking anything. Yeah. We played a place in Salt Lake City, and I was literally knocking microphones over. He's like, trying to put it back. I'm like, the microphone was going to the side of the shell of his. It wasn't even on the head. It was like, not even doing anything. Like, Fuck these mics. Oh, this place. One of the worst <laughs> That's, that's a story for a different <laughs> well that's pretty much when i did the two-man thing that's pretty much the setup i did and i it you know i i loved it it was it was i was just a beat it or a wide it or whatever it is a b and then had a small bass amp and yeah just turned it low volume and let it kind of through and the only the only limitation i found on it was just i couldn't solo you know, use, I'm used to soloing a lot. So, uh, you know, I couldn't do that as well. I could still rock riffs and shit, but there's something, there is something really fun and magical in that full sound you get from a low end and a high end sound pumping up. Like when I'd play a, you know, power chords kind of work. I'm sure you noticed that. I don't know about six strings, then it gets well, real muddy. It's best because you have that full dynamic of like, if it's oh. an A or open, whatever the fuck. It sounds like oh my god, this sounds so awesome. Yeah. You made a good yeah, no. I don't solo. If you look at any yeah. of our music, there's no it's just riffs on another riff right. next to a riff, beside a riff, <laughs> on top of a so riff. I've seen, yeah, I've seen a couple of bands that and it's, it's a two-man thing and the leader can pull off the solo while maintaining the rhythm. And I don't know if there's loops going on, but everyone's got their own kind of setup with, with that kind of thing. But um Anyway, that, that's kind of what I thought you guys were doing with it. So uh, to kind of go back a little bit and kind of round out the in the whale, you know, middle years, you guys probably took a couple, two, three. How long has that been? How long has the band been together? Nine Decade? Years. Nine. Nine years. So you guys probably took a couple years to kind of, like you said, just. I would say like. Eat, <laughs> eat this. Yeah. I would say the first two years were like real experimental. Like we did a lot of stuff with no looping anything but we would do stuff where samples like bird noises for some fucking mm -hmm. reason or like a siren noise just like randomly <laughs> no lyrics in some songs it's just like we didn't know what we were doing just chaos yeah we, we had this like idea we recorded a bunch of instrumental songs and we were gonna release the pro tools release the stems and like put it out for people to remix that that never came to fruition and then we were like, yeah, we had a yeah. whole five songs or something. Yeah, it just we had this whole. We we're just all over the map. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't know what yeah. we were doing. It's like, well, this is fun. Sure. 
there's a those two years I sang is like figuring out like what is going on. Everyone during the time we were doing this is like Mumford and Sons was like hot shit. You know what I mean? Or the Decemberists were. We're like fuck that. We're going the opposite. Let's get as loud and as aggressive as possible. And so yeah, we when we moved to Denver, it was like I think we have something, some kind of dynamics. So we sort of like honed it in, recorded a <clears throat> first EP um, with our a great producer named Joey Barba, who's now in LA, but then he was in Colorado with Colorado Sound. And uh, it was kind of off to the races, just fucking pound the pavement, play any show that's offered to us, go to every show, go to every party, fucking just make our We had a lot known. of people like that were Denver kids in the Denver scene that kind of did not like us because we were considered like Greeley. And we came in and we were just like, we lived in Denver, but we were like everywhere. We were always handing out flyers at shows. We were literally going to every fucking show. Because at that point, it's just about name recognition. Right. Just like, just get our name on the fucking posters. People keep keep continuing to see our name on posters. So, yeah. That's a good approach. And you guys, you guys, that reads. I mean, that that reads. Like, you guys, you can tell. Just when I play with you guys, and then as soon as you get a load of, like, the social media side, you can tell that you're those guys. And that's a great way to do it. I don't think I, you know, that's maybe one thing I wasn't as good at early on was just getting there, you know, like you said, be seen. I mean, that's right. so crucial. Everybody, you know, I, I think when we play with you guys, we had a, some family friends who live in Seattle. No, 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 Portland. who were like, oh, we love those guys. We're like, oh, you know these guys? We didn't even know these guys at the time because, you know, we're coming from Texas. So, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you guys read like that kind of operation for sure. And I think you guys probably still stay strong to that in different different ways, but there's a genuineness you know, like being yourself and not like if that's not your personality we were just lucky that both he and i are like these guys like put the pamphlet in your shirt pocket and like have a nice day you know <laughs> we're the, those kind of guys also it was like really about what can we do to make like not only get your attention but sort of create buzz you know what i mean so like we did all sorts of weird stuff if it was like <laughs> You know, we're there's some festival or whatever, some local festival, and my friend's playing, you know, uh, one of the big stages. Like, hey, can I come play tambourine for you guys on a song? They go, yeah, sure. And then I'll come out in my underwear. Right. We'd play, play tambourine, tambourine. And then, just, you know, one, also just to be obnoxious, but also some people will go, did you see what fucking Eric from In the Whale did? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like the name is in your fucking mouth, you know, just that kind of thing. We did that a lot for the first couple of years. And then, I mean, we don't have to do anything like that now, but we still do it like social media, do fun things and stuff. But yeah, you guys have a good sense of humor, man, for sure. You're hilarious, dudes. So when did you guys start hitting the road real hard? Well, we were down in Denver for I think I maybe two years, where we really started to get some buzz and sold out our first show, uh, and I I want to say 2012. And then we had the CD release show for Kate, the first right. EP. And then we got up, picked up some management, some local guys, and sold out the second show about eight months later. And that's when it was kind of like, all right, you know, we don't want to plateau here, so let's try to get right around to all these other markets. We didn't want to be like the other local bands that were like just playing to the same friends and that kind of thing. It's like I feel like there's a safety net there if you go like 50 miles anywhere. It's yeah. like no one knows who the fuck you are. Yeah. So right. it was kind of a humbling experience to do it, but it's like he and I are just dumb enough to try it. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. And our first throw was going down to South by Southwest. Right. Uh, we, um, I think we only did little, three shows total and then like one South like by. Four. Yeah. Yeah. And then South by, which was like, we played like, well, we did Red Gorilla. We didn't do South Oh, by. I was so. <laughs> yeah. You're in Austin. You yeah. Know. Yeah. We, we played like yeah, four shows. I, I mean, how was it? Was it, was it real bad? I mean, you know, it's South by Southwest. Yeah, I mean, people have different experiences. Every time, every you know, it's like you can play a few good shows and you play a few bad ones. But I always felt for bands coming into town, uh, unless they were one of the few that just had killer shows lined up and it was all red carpet or some version of that. Because otherwise, it sucks, man. It's like yeah, we, I got to deal with so much bullshit. We've done it four years, I think. And we one year we had an official showcase. That went really well. That was right. a really great show. And actually, we got our entertainment lawyer from that show so that was great right uh the other the other times we played we've done like okay we're doing two shows this year or we're doing like six shows this year they're yeah. always like it's there's always like a ton of people you know if but you're all if, drunk yeah no knows who you are <clears throat> yeah exactly if you're on six it's like yeah no matter when you play there's going to be a bunch of people there but yeah they're all hammered they're never going to remember you right they're not going to buy your merch <laughs> they're uh and they've also seen uh you know t- 35 uh, artist that day so it's like yeah yeah it's brutal it's it's the epitome of oversaturation if you're on that yeah. kind of strip it's like there's yeah you described it perfectly yeah they won't buy your merch but they'll have no problem trying to steal it yeah so, <laughs> let's just yeah no parking. they don't just free stay, you know no, there's no yeah. money it's just like man yeah i have a we have a friend named ben roy who's a comedian he does south by southwest comedy but he also has another band that was playing the same time so he was there for the com- the the uh, interactive week doing comedy. So he got paid, you know, and they put him up in like the, like a really nice hotel room and stuff. Treated him nice. Yeah, and he said once the that week was over and the music week started, all that just disappeared. <laughs> he was staying on his friend's couch and not right. getting paid. <laughs> yeah, we. That's the. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I. The last before this year obviously got canceled. And then the year before that, uh, I think I had one or two shows lined up and I actually broke my toe like the week before. So I was glad I didn't have much going on that week because it was tough to get around. The year or two before that, I had some of my bigger years there, but I, that was just, you know, it had just been accumulating and we had albums coming out. So it was okay. But even then I was like, oh, this is, this is going off the, uh, anyway, but uh, okay. So you guys are on the road. How long has it been now for you guys? About like of the heavy road stuff, six years, seven years? About that. Yeah, about that. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I've done quite a bit of road stuff too, not quite, not quite as much as you guys, but I know how after you do it for years and, you know, it's certainly really fun to play and there's lots of fun parts and there's downers, blah, blah, blah. But after that many years and grinding, you know, are you guys still, obviously your hard work was about to pan out for you in a number of ways, unfortunately. COVID compromised that, but were you guys still maintaining the same passion for the lifestyle and the, um, you know, I know you obviously have fun on stage that goes without question, but how, how was the road treating you after six, seven years? You still loving it or is it getting a little bit tiring or what? It's tiring, but for me personally, and I can only say for me, it was good, except when there was like a string of like three bad shows. Yeah. Then it was just yeah. like, yeah then it was just like oh god and then luckily another uh, then the fourth show would be a good one it's like oh, okay okay 
okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, but it gets hard in our position where we were going so much to have to keep fighting people for money. It's like, this is the deal. There's, there's people here for us. They're buying your drinks. It was just, just pay me. Like the contract <laughs> said, but just pay me. Yeah. I so think uh, really tiring. it comes down to just like, not like there was a couple years a, a while back where we just, it was too fucking much mm-hmm. where it was like, you know, I think uh, if we keep it around the between one and one fifty shows a year, is is kind of perfect for us, and just not overload ourselves with back to back to back to back tours. You know, if we get something really good, then you gotta have to do it. But just don't not killing ourselves. You know, especially to play. You know, sometimes some fucking dive bar where no one to a bunch of bar killers. Right. It's like don't don't kill yourself for that. You know, it's like yes, come home, fucking. Spend the time, you know, just take breaks, man. You it was hard for breaks. that minute where Eric was talking about because we switched management. And in between them, we had to keep going. But it was like all the past connections that we were working with were kind of like, well, we only work with so-and-so. And we're like trying to keep the new guy up to speed and he's doing his best. And then also trying to keep coins in the copper, you know, like trying to keep shit rolling. It was how many months did we take off? Through? Like nine months. Yeah, we, we just we, stopped. There was one year I think it was didn't talk to each other. Yeah, we just took oh, wow. nine months because it was it's just you just gotta you just gotta build you gotta totally. recharge the battery. <clears throat> totally. Yeah, when you first start, you just eat it up. You know, you're ready to play all the shows. You want to do the Herculean, you know, routing, whatever. You're like, let's go. It's game time. I love it. It's great. Yeah. And then and after a few. What's that? And I think you should. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, you take pride in it. You love it. You like the, the, the feeling of being exhausted. You can kind of, you know, it's a good feeling in some ways. And then you get you get to that point after a chunk of years where it's like those Monday, Tuesday shows with hardly anybody there. And it's like you, your mindset is in the right place. Like, well, if we're out on the road, we might as well go play it. But then that starts to... It's well, like, no, this is just a waste. This is a waste of resources. Right. Oh, yeah, at what cost? Right, Right. exactly. It's just so much better to take a night off, chill in the hotel or in your friend's place or whatever. It's just like, so, yeah, because yeah, I was hitting that point. What's that? Money. It's worth losing. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's not as much usually. You know, we're not passing up the, the good paying gigs. We're passing up the <laughs> shitbirds. And uh, yeah, I mean, for me, the one of the big changing things is when my daughter was born, like it was, it was didn't really affect it that much when she was like two under two and a half. And then when she became like two and a half, she starts becoming like a real person. You know, that's when like those bad show stretches that you're talking about. That's when it really was like, oh man, this sucks balls. It's like, this is, you know, usually it's, there's a good trade-off. Like you do one or two bad ones or like, that good one's coming Friday. We know that's going to be a good show. So let's just hang in there. But then when you're missing your daughter and you guys been on the road together to one, one other guy for five years and it's like, yeah, I totally know what you're talking about there. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I, you know, I, I, I wonder, you guys seem to get along real well. You seem to be on like the same wavelengths in a lot of ways. Like you guys were saying about you're the same guy and that you both like to, like you said, put the pamphlet in people's pockets, but I know, you know, it's clear what you mean by that. You guys are both outgoing, real good humor guys. 
Have you guys had, aside from that break you took, which sounded necessary and probably was a healthy thing, have you guys had, you know, you guys play aggressive music. Have you guys had any aggressive altercations over the years that are, you know, some spicy details in that department? Are you guys keeping pretty cool? jump on stage oh, I've, I've been attacked a few times a lady in canada <laughs> yeah. took a microphone and chipped my yeah. tooth no one ever attacks uh, me it's, yeah, it's always me <laughs> i don't know you have, a, you have a shield i you guess you got a shield around you <laughs> i'm not a little guy i'm like 6 two, yeah, 200 pounds fucking like, farm yeah. horse fed they, they like, should attack me i'm a fucking terrible fighter <laughs> <laughs> they can kick the shit out of I'm like, uh, they, they, they're like, they're coming at me. And I'm like, yeah. all right. Uh, there was one time, here's a great story. We were playing with Agent Orange at this place in Las Vegas called the Dive Bar. Oh. Oh, I shouldn't have named the fucking place. Oh, well. Can you bleep that out or is it live? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I can bleep it out if you want. I give it uh, yeah, yeah, just bleep out the name of the bar if you don't mind. <clears throat> um. You know, in Vegas, bars are 24 hours. So, um, you know, this, <clears throat> they like to run late, right? So this was a, a classic punk rock show where it's like 12 bands. Yeah, I think it was six that night. Yeah, it's some stupid. So we're, we're, five, we're number five out of six. Because we're on tour with Agent Orange. Yeah, Agent Orange goes on at like midnight or so. So we played at like a, around 11, 15 or so. Mm-hmm. And we, we got a long drive the next day. And so we're waiting to get paid we're talking about like 1 30 a.m or so waiting around we load everything every piece of gear load everything up we're just waiting standing at the bar the bartender is like the owner pays you but he went to go take his wife home so he should be back like okay he's not coming back <laughs> yeah we know that he's yeah not coming back we know he's not coming back whatever. we're just waiting 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 and uh it gets to be like four in the morning we have to leave at probably eight and so, thank God, I feel bad for this bartender, but thank God he got pissed off. <clears throat> he was like, you know what, fuck him. Get, let, me see the, let me see the contract. And for some reason, I happened to have a printed one. He gave it to him, he was like, fine. He just took it right out of the fucking register. He just gave us our money and we wow. left. <laughs> yeah, we have some, we're gonna write a book at some point. There's yeah. so many good stories that are just like, from bed bugs to like, I, I don't know, just terrible things. Just yeah. blown engines. We have altercations with sound guys a lot. Yeah. So we don't want to. But we do. what about you? What about each other? You guys ever had stuff between each other? A couple times. Yeah, but we're usually pretty good a at like, a couple times. Yeah. It's usually like if we have Serves a, problem, a purpose. Yeah. Like he knows me so well. He's like, what's wrong there, bud? <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong, Skip? <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't like the way you did that. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, it's like, we've just been together for so long. It's like, hey man, you fucking breathe weird. Get away, like, it's like I don't like the way you move, like walk. Right. <laughs> Can you look at me one time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, having a mutual respect for each other. Yeah. And just reminding yourself of that, like, you know, and understanding that we're both in our thirties that we're not going to change. Right. So it's just like, all right. Uh, Nate does this annoying thing. He's never going to stop doing that. So do you want to quit the band or just deal with it? <laughs> you do, know what I mean? I do this one thing and it's my family that does it too. Whenever I'm almost done with a sandwich, I'll go like this. I'll like, I'll like in my brain, I'm weighing, weighing how much left in my mind without looking at it. But I just do this weird yeah. thing. It's fucking weird, dude. His cousins do it. They too. All, we all his, do it. His siblings do it. It's so weird. That's funny. 
It's like that's funny. It's it's really strange, but there's like things Eric does, whatever. But yeah, man, when you're on the road and you're in the car together and you're sharing a bathroom every night and you're in the same room, hotel room or house, it's like man, that's that's weird. It's a weird thing, man. It's like you got you got to yeah. It's it's very unusual. It's not it's not even close to being married. It's not even close to you know being being on a vacation with friends. It's a totally different thing. It's like. I ask you how so. many people are like, hey, how was your vacation when you go on tour? How many <laughs> fucking people tell you that shit? Go and fuck yourself. How many fucking times you just want to yeah. just like. Yeah, I had a great vacation in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I had two hours of sleep. At my wedding, actually, Nate was a groomsman and he gave a little speech and he said, uh, he was like, told my wife, he's like, uh, you know, I've been with Eric longer than you have. <laughs> <laughs> Eric and I have been closer and together longer than you guys have. It's true. It's a very unique situation. Um, so, so what, uh, to kind of round things out here, guys, um, it sucks that you guys had, you know, this shitty uh, Corona come on through and kind of sucks for everybody in the fucking industry right now. It's pretty fucked up. So what do you guys have planned for yourselves for the next, let's say six months or a year? Um, you know, are you looking at a specific date to get back on the road? And do you have any kind of macro ideas about the industry as a whole? You guys have been in the industry. You've been, you know, full tilt with it for, for a decade. Where do you see yourselves going and where do you see the industry going in the near and, and middle future here? I really have no idea, <laughs> to be honest. I, I really, I, I, in the future, I think it's probably gonna be a lot more live streams going on, definitely. Um, I don't know, man. I So much of our appeal is live, you know? So I really wanna get back to playing live and playing in a room with people um but because uh you know we got uh president fuckface in the office uh <laughs> in the in, in the in the white house all this is up to the states so every state's come totally different regulations totally different things so it's going to be really hard to like tour you know and see like right. okay uh we can do it in california but we can't do arizona so we have to skip arizona and do you know we just gotta once we can get the country all unified in this and these are the regulations i feel like it's gonna be really tough to get back out there on the road because every state's so different you know <clears throat> i feel like a lot of the industry needed to be shook yeah a little bit uh, i mean this is a lot of it but i feel like there was kind of this hierarchy that was you know just seeing it from either the promoter side or the booking agent side or the managerial side were there has this pecking order that's non, it's not good. It's not healthy. And I feel like maybe kind of a cleaning house is maybe something good. I also feel like what we're going to see in the future is all those people that are losing their jobs are going to be independent agents or independent managers, not with an affiliated like Live Nation or AEG or whatever. It'll be kind of their own thing. I feel like that's going to be a new market. I feel like what they had with promoters back when punk, like 
the descendants and you know the dead kennedys and bands like that were like at their premium you can have a lot of independent promoters that right now they have they've always existed but i think they're going to be taking a larger step forward when things open i also think for us we have been really guarded on not jumping the gun too soon like there was a time when people were like august shows are going to be going yeah. it's going to be happening he and i literally looked at each other like no fucking way. yeah no way there's no fucking way like we started playing the game and having our agent feel the waters and see what's going on but it's like it was clear that that's not happening so right now um we're looking at larger bands to see when they're announcing like european tours next year or later and just kind of keeping that as a pin and just you know for us it's easier to book something quick than it would be them so kind of using them as a, a lipdis test to figure out where the water is for us yeah i think uh, also going back to what you were saying nate about the industry like it might be a good thing you know when all these guys are branching out on their own because i think maybe getting an email with a certain agency's letterhead won't necessarily mean as much right anymore you know if, if this agent goes solo and and, and uh, ends up representing some some heavy hitting acts it's like you know that might not matter so much anymore playing a certain venue or doing a show with a certain person or production company or whatever i'll tell you, you know. that the money has been better the one show that we have done that was like a social distancing show where they didn't take house costs and they cut out all the fat and it was just like, there's no merch percentage. They're not taking or robbing us. We made, it was like, this is how shows should be. It's like, we brought people in, they paid the ticket. We got a larger chunk of the ticket. Plus we got all of our merch. You got your liquor sales. It's like, let's just, that was, you made good money. We made good money for the first time ever in a long time where we're not having to find these percentages. I, I think it's good. I mean, shitty but. yeah um yeah, I think it, the, if people could just mosh <laughs> yeah it'd be perfect yeah instead of having to sit at your table yeah yeah, there, yeah that, that might be a while before moshing but if anyone's gonna mosh it's the people who mosh they're not gonna listen to people who say don't mosh so yeah, but then the gets shut down yeah. by security the, 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 there you go but Good. yeah i mean it's timetable wise it's certainly uh unclear i think next summer is feasible optimistic at the same time um back to normal who knows but just to kind of elaborate more on just because i'm interested you guys have your own um you know kind of perspective but i'm interested in a little bit more of the hierarchy you guys are talking about in terms of you know <clears throat> letting it burn a little bit mentality uh what exactly what exactly are you do you see out there that you don't like or that you're affected by obviously you said the the percentages that are taken and that's you know right always part of the game for the you know for the music business but what do you mean exactly by the hierarchy you want to see kind of blown up like or whatever there is a symbiotic relationship between the artists and the people that help the artists get to shows i.e you may have a venue but guess what we found out we don't need your venue we could do it live stream we don't need you um, not that I'm saying that for in the well, that's our demographic because we get along well, but I'm seeing it from other people's perspective. I'm seeing it from other bands that I know that are like, I'm doing better without it and not having to pay you this amount and I'm doing really well. 
Yeah, so say, yeah, it's some some companies taking, giving, you know, nickel and diming you. It's like, I can live stream this, uh, sell my merch online. So so it's it's sort of this wake up call, like not not necessarily not necessarily to say, fuck you, I'll never play your venue, but yeah, also like, hey, there, there's some leverage here now. You know what I'm saying? People are willing. We know that people are willing to come see us on a live stream. So right. get your shit together, you know. Yeah, I, I, my overhead was three hundred dollars. Yeah, you know, it, compared to fifteen hundred that you're charging us for the room cost, yeah. plus the sound person, which should be paid, but that should have been out of the room cost. And so all these artists are saying we can live stream, we can do all this other stuff, you know. So if you don't play ball, then you're done, you know. And hopefully it doesn't go the way of <laughs> what labels are doing, and they just die out because because right. we love playing live. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we love the venues and we love that. I just hope that there's like. Like I said before, it's not my perspective that we're seeing directly, but I'm hearing it through other people. They're like, let them burn. And I'm like, well, I guess I see your point of view. Yeah. But yeah, the the, the live stream is interesting. I, I don't know if it's sustainable in terms of what we as artists need and what the fans need. I think that middle that middleman is pretty it's always been essential with the arts. So but I I you know it's the the middleman in music. There's a lot of great figures. There's a lot of shady figures. There's a lot of highway robbery. Obviously, we got to deal with it all the time. But yeah, the venues are an interesting thing because you have these people who invest their money, their time, their lives in setting up shop and making somewhere where the bands and the music can come, the bands and the fans can come together. And a lot will be wiped out from this. A lot already have, a lot more will be. And then it's a question of, are those same people going to get back in the game? Are they going to say, fuck it? Are they going to be... A lot of people are jaded at this point. Yeah, yeah you know, of course. Those are the ones that are necessary. Like, I'm just doing it because I started it. It was a passion at first, and now it's not. It's like... Yeah, I, I really hope that a lot of these independent venues that have been had to shut down or whatever can be replaced or, or they can start new ones. Because I, what I don't want is to just have what's left over is all these giant conglomerate places that aren't gonna you know haggle at all they aren't gonna give you any right room at all i feel like it will open those those doors yeah i think you're right i hope so the other the other problem i think is you know where do you see the most music scenes is the cooler cities right and all the cooler cities these places that are closing down the denvers the austins i mean i guess cali has a there's a migration out of california and and I don't know exactly what's going up in Seattle and Portland. Uh, that seems to be getting pretty crazy up there. New York is obviously falling apart. I think Nashville's doing okay, whatever. But, you know, with all these cool cities that are the hotspots for music, what happens with these places shut down is somebody's coming in there to snap up that real estate as fast as they can. So we'll Maybe see. I don't know if smaller cities will become hubs. I don't know. I think I hope so. Yeah, I think so. I hope so because we do really well in those smaller cities. Yeah, you know, we we've struggled in places like in New York City and LA sure. and Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know, places like Fort Worth, Texas, we fucking destroy. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Places like Cheyenne, Wyoming, we kill. And you know, you, you you pull into Chicago on any given night, you know, who knows who's playing? You know, we all there's always yes. competition. It's like, man, it's tough. So if if that happens, we can we could really thrive, you know. It's a good point. Yeah, the big cities are always tough nuts to crack, no doubt about it. Um, 
Well, cool dudes. I wish you guys the best. I'm so sorry Thanks. for the shit storm you've had to face, uh, especially all, with such a big year. Facing. We're all facing it. You, you guys are tough customers and you guys are good people. So you guys will be all right. I can tell, but uh, yeah, man, you guys keep fighting the good fight and uh, hope to see you guys out on the road some other time soon. And uh, thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thanks for Thanks. having us. Of course you guys take care. Bye. Take care. You too.